And I am an alcoholic. Uh, I want to thank Janesta for asking me to come and share some of my experience and hopes tonight. And uh, Janesta did tell me it was 50 minutes, and I thought, oh, that's a little bit long. But anyway, I'll just see what I can do. But as I said, my name is John, and I am an alcoholic. And, uh, and I think it's a privilege and a pleasure to be asked and to come on to share and the meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, so I just want to say that. And uh, as I say, 50 minutes is quite a long time. And, and I suppose the only place I can really start is at the beginning uh, of my young life. And uh, and, that, and and what that will be, it will be uh, my experience growing up and my, my experience of alcohol and alcoholism and my strength of coming into the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and and my hope uh, that I can carry some sort of a message to, if there's any newcomers, men or women here, uh, I'd like to welcome you to the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. It was in Alcoholics Anonymous that I was told that I need never ever have to pick up a drink one day at a time. And that has been my own personal experience since my very first meeting. But, you know, I, I've got to try and share a little bit about about myself to use so that you can understand where I've came from uh, and, and as I say I'm, I'm an alcoholic and uh, you know I was born in Glasgow in Scotland and I know there's a lot of people here from America and uh, I've done a bit, I, I lived in quite a few places in America actually but that I'll come to that as when I come to it but I was born in Glasgow in Scotland and uh I had my mum had a big family. She had seven boys and five girls, and uh, and I was the oldest son. I had an older brother. We lost him quite early, and I had two older sisters. And the rest of my siblings are, are younger than me. But you know, as I was growing up as a young boy, you know, yeah, as I was growing up as a as a young boy. Uh, my, my dad, he went to work in the shipyards and my mum raised all the kids. And uh, and I was, out, I was out for a very young age. I was on the streets for a very young age. Uh, back in the streets in Glasgow, we, we had tenement buildings, but we, we lived in Glasgow and it was okay in them days to go out and play. And uh, I used to go out and play in the streets of Glasgow uh, as a young boy, four, five, six, seven-year-old. That, that, that's really where it all started for me as a young boy. Uh, I was hanging about with, with older boys and, you know, and, and that was how it started to, that was how my life started to progress. Uh, I was hanging out with older people. But, uh, you know, even growing up at that young age, before I had a drink, I felt, I felt quite odd. I felt I felt I never fitted in to my own family, and I'd never heard the I'd never heard the anything. You know, I, I had no reason to to feel or to be like that. But that's how I felt. Uh, but when 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 I was younger, my mum, I was always in trouble, always in trouble. Uh, with my mum, I was always in, I was always doing things that I should have been doing about playing, lighting fires, and reading bin dustbins and stuff like that, looking for toys. And that was it. That was the start. 
But I was always in trouble and my mum used to say that she found me at a bus stop. <laughs> and I don't know why she said that, but that's sort of a that sort of a I went with that and, and partly I never felt partly my family. And uh, as a young boy, uh, I, I was I, I had seen a lot of violence in Glasgow. There was a lot of alcohol and there was a lot of drugs in, in Glasgow. And uh, and I grew up in that environment. My mum and my dad, they never drank. Uh, my brothers and my sisters, they never drank. Uh, but at a young age, at a very young age, I started I started to to have some drinks with older boys. And uh, and that and that changed. That sort of a changed something within me. And you know, I was a young boy, and my my granddad died, and uh, he was an Irishman, and they had a wake. They had a wake in one of the houses, one of my uncle's houses, and they gave me a tumbler. I was only probably eight or nine. They gave me a tumbler with some whiskey in it, and because uh, I was a big boy then, and uh, and the whiskey, the whiskey done something for me. It, it burnt my throat in the way down, but it gave me. It gave me a glow within, and it made me feel a bit taller, and uh, and it made me feel a, a lot bigger than stuff like that, and uh, and that was that was my first sort of a introduction uh, to a proper drink of whiskey. You know, I'm not talking about beers or ciders. I'm talking about a heavy drink was whiskey, and uh, and I like I didn't like the taste of it, but I liked what it done for me. And, uh, and 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 I, and I, and I went for it for a young age you know as a young age uh, I, I, I learned how to steal out the shops I learned how to get to steal stuff out the shops I learned how to sell it and I learned how to get money at a very young age and I mean a very young age uh, so, so 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 that that used to that used to help me buy my booze when I was only a young boy. Uh, so I could steal, I could sell the stuff that I stole, and I could booze. And uh, and by this time, I was probably about 10, 11 years of age. Uh, but my mum had quite a lot of kids. And uh, and, and I, used to, I used to help my mum quite a lot because she had lots of kids. And, and I, used to, I, used to get, I used to get good money as a young boy doing what I used to do and I used to help my mum. I used to give my mum some money to help uh, with the kids for food and stuff like that. And, and that, I mean, I, I never knew anything about unfunctional or dysfunctional. I never knew anything like that at that time. But what would it done for me? My mum sort of turned a blind eye to my living. And uh, at a young age, 10, 11 years of age, I, I started to become a runaway and I used to run away for the home. And I'd no, I'd no reason, no reason at all to do that. But I used to do it. I used to run away. I used to get I used to run away and I used to sleep in like bus stations and the old cars. I'd break into cars and sleep in cars and sleep in my friends' houses. But but that started the, the thrill of running away and, and sort of a being on that, I was only a young boy, but 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 I was on my own. 
I was on my own. I was looking after myself at that time, and I was able to, you know, and as this young boy, uh, running away to different parts of the country, and no idea where I was going, you know. But the police would always cat. The police would always find me, and they always, they always used to take me home. Always took me home, and you know, I had no reason to do that to my parents, but I did do it, and uh, and that was that was before. Uh, I had a problem with booze. That was just something wrong with me within. And because I've been given quite a long time to share tonight, I can talk about that stuff because that will help build my story up so that you will understand how it was for me growing up. And uh, I had a problem before I had the booze. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so, so, so that's how it was. I had a problem, but I never knew it. I knew that I never felt right within. I really knew that I, I never felt. I mean, we when we were all home and at night when I was younger as well, and and somebody mentioned the cowboy films. I can remember my dad watching cowboy films, and all my brothers and sisters would be sitting there, and I would be sitting there as well, uh, watching these films. But never felt I wanted to be somewhere else. I really wanted to be somewhere else. I never felt I wanted. I wanted some action. A young boy, I wasn't happy with myself. I wasn't happy within, uh, and and I was only really happy when I started when I started to to, to progress uh, with my with my alcohol. You know, uh, I started drinking a little bit more. I started doing different things. Uh, I mean, the runaway and the stealing was early stuff, and then I started something. I mean, this was. 60, 55, 60 years ago, I started doing something, now it's an art. I started doing graffiti way back then in the late 60s in Glasgow. I started doing graffiti on walls. And it wasn't the artwork, it was my name. And uh, and I was known by my name. But that was what it was like. Uh, and I just put the sign up on my name and I, and I, I do all the spray paint, all nice designs. And and I was known, even as a young age, I was known. The police knew me by my full name, by my nickname. I was known, and uh, and that was part of the buzz of for me growing up and getting away from what was wrong with me within. And I never knew there was something, but I always knew I just wasn't right, you know. And I can admit that tonight, you know. I knew there was something just not right with me, and. Uh, and when I had booze, I was all right. And, and, and so that's how it progressed. For me, it progressed uh, with my mum. And I was at school. I mean, I would go to school as well. But when I got to the age of 12, 13, when I was attending high school, or seconds of school, they call it here in the UK, uh, I had had enough. Uh, uh, school wasn't for me. I knew quite a lot about everything I thought. But I never really, you know, I never really. What what I knew was I knew how to go and get money, and I knew how to, to to live my life the way that I was living it, and that's what I'd done. That's what I really done. And at that young age, that's how I was living. I was I was out committing crimes at a young age, uh, getting money. Had lots of young friends, and I was buying them booze and buying them food and buying them whatever I could, whatever that was that that was on the scene at that time. But the booze, the booze really became a part of my life. Yeah, it really did. 
uh, as a young age, and I never seen, I never seen any problem. I never knew of any problem. Back in Glasgow, my friends, we all sort of done the same thing. We drank from a young age, and that, that's when my life progressed. I just drank, and uh, I got to the age thirteen, fourteen, and 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 I sort of I had enough of school, and uh, and I left school out, and uh, and I just I just lived my life. Uh, I just lived my life breaking the law and, 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 and getting booze, and, and that's how it went. But, you know, at a young age, even at young age, 13, 14, going on to 14, and I was I was hanging about with older, older boys then, and, and they were into different things apart from booze, and I joined them. But the alcohol, you know, I, I, you know, I can remember my first really proper serious drink. I was probably about 13, 14 years of age back in Glasgow. And I was drinking, we were drinking this cheap wine. And it was a wine, it was a heavy duty wine. Although it was cheap, but it was heavy duty. And uh, I was drinking this heavy duty wine. And something happened to me. I drank the wine and uh, I got really drunk. Uh, and I forgot everything that I was doing. You know, I just, couldn't remember what I'd, I remember drinking, then all of a sudden it, it just went blank. And I don't really remember what happened after that. But I woke up in the morning or several hours later, and you know, that was a, for me, that was a proper good drink that night. And what happened to me was, a, for me, I went into a blackout. I went into a blackout. And, uh, and that's how I stayed. I never knew. I really didn't know anything about blackouts either. But I went into a blackout, and that was how I drank. That was how I always drank to blackout. I never knew that it was a blackout. I just forgot. I went blind to what had happened. And my life, my life just carried on like that, drinking like that. Uh, with the blackouts. Now I was becoming 14, 15, and I sort of left school then. And then... I went to work. I went to work legit, you know, although I was still misbehaving. Uh, I started working in the shipyards uh, alongside my dad. I was doing a lot of uh, spray painting and blasting in the shipyards, but I was earning fantastic money as a young boy. I started to go offshore onto the oil rigs and uh, working away from home, earning lots and lots of money, but spending it spending it double lively. I was quick. I never ever had anything. I kept, I kept on. I could always get great jobs and, and earn great money. But I always drank it. I always drank the money. And the money that I had left, I normally gave it away to people But when I was drunk. And that was how my life went. Uh, it was, uh, but when I look back on it now, and I've only got the time, I've only got this time to, to share this stuff. I mean, I don't share this stuff in meetings. I mean, I've shared this stuff with people, but I've only got the time to share this stuff because I've got a longer time to share. And I'm trying to give you a build up of how my life went. You know, my parents never drank, my brothers, my sisters never drank, and here was me like that. And what happened when I was drinking like that? I started to get into trouble. I started to get into trouble with the law. Uh, I started to get arrested for drunk and incapable. Uh, I started to get arrested for being drunk and committing offences while the, in, the influence of uh, alcohol. And uh, my screen's gone all crazy on me. Everybody's flipping about. But anyway, I drank and I drank. And uh, that was how my life went.
uh, is, is your screen's gone? I've, that's it now. But yeah. anyway, I, I, I drank and I drank and it just went. I, I, I was ended up, I was getting into trouble. There, there was, I was getting into trouble with the law. Uh, and then I started to wake up in hospitals. I started to wake up in the hospitals. Uh, they would find me on beaches. The, the police would find me on beaches. They'd take me to hospital as a young boy, 15, 16, pump my stomach, let me out, and then I'd do the same thing again. So I was starting to wake up in, in the hospitals, and, uh, and then that was quite sad, you know what I mean? And uh, I, was, I was being sick. I was bringing up blood that had, even at a young age, I had Junadina ulcers and, and stuff like that, but I still drank, and other people in the book, they still drank as well. So I was getting into trouble with the hospitals, I was getting into trouble with the police, and uh, that was progressing, you know, I was I was getting, and then I started to get locked up, you know, 16, 17, 18, I was getting locked up in uh, prisons, uh, borstals, detention centres, uh, you know, and that and that, and it progressed. And, and at a young age, I got I got locked up. I committed a crime, and I get locked up. And they put me in a they put me in a sanatorium. They put me in a sanatorium with no liberation. So I, I never knew. I never knew when I was getting out again. But I went to the sanatorium. I was in there for I was in there for a few years because I committed a crime under the influence of alcohol, and they locked me up. And then. You know, and I, you know, my, my mom and dad, they, they were they were good people. You know, I was brought up Roman Catholic. I, I, I studied the faith. I went to mass. Became an altar boy, but I dropped all that stuff out at a very young age, and uh, and, and 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 I went in a different life. And you know, my mom and dad, they, they were heartbroken with that happened. My mom and dad had lots of kids. None of the kids had ever been in trouble. They hadn't been in trouble, but they had a boy here that was that was always in trouble. And that's how it went. And, and it went like that for, for, for quite a long time, you know. It really did. And uh, But, you know, I got out of that. And, you know, and every time I woke up in prison, I woke up in places like that, I was always under the influence of alcohol. And yet I had no idea. I had no idea about why I was ending up in these places. But I was ending up in these places. But I never thought booze was the problem. I never saw, I never ever even considered booze. I never, it wasn't until later on in the recovery when I looked at my life and where I had lent, the path that I had went, uh, how I ended up in such a, a, a state. And that's how, and that's how it was, you know, and, and it just progressed, you know what I mean? I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to drink. I really didn't want to behave like that, but I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it, you know. Later on after that, I ended up, I got married. I had a wife. I had, I had three kids, you know, I had three kids. And uh, my, my, my wife, she tried everything to get me not to drink. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. She was just nagging me. I just wanted to drink. I was a good worker. I'd bring in money. The bills would all be paid. The home was okay. Uh, the kids were all right, but I was never there because I couldn't. I couldn't stop drinking, and I never knew the problem, you know. And uh, and what happened there was, you know, my, my wife, my wife, she she couldn't take it anymore, you know. And, and this was going on for years, quite a few years, and uh, and I'd done some geographicals during that time as well, 
you know, and, and I moved, I moved down south and to to, to Brighton and for Glasgow, and my wife and my kids came. And had another kid, and then my wife would go back home and say, "I'm I'm going back to my mum and dad's. I can't." And I would always manage to get her to come back, and then I'd always go on the booze again, and and that and a dream would broke again, and that happened quite a few times. And I mean, you know what alcoholics are like. If you are alcoholic. We're great. We can get some lovely husbands or wives in our life. We really can. We get some special people, but we destroy them. We can destroy them at the same time. And we're very blessed that the people that we can have in our lives. And I was blessed with the wife that I had and the children that I had. But at the end, you know, my wife had had enough. My wife had had enough. You know, she'd put up with us for the years and she knew that I wasn't going to change. I didn't know what to do. I just drank and, and lived the life that I lived. And that's how it went. But, uh, you know, that, that, that was how my, my life went. And, uh, and, and then now, my wife asked me to leave. She said, me, John, I'd like you to leave for home. And by this time, I had a, I had a 12-year-old daughter. I had a 10-year-old son. I had an 18-month-year-old son. And my wife asked me to leave. She said, I want you to leave. And, and I left. I left. And I showed her that she was going to miss the great John. You know what I mean? And uh, she asked me to leave. And I'll never get back into my home. Do you know what I mean? I, I left. And and, and, I, and, I, and I got myself a little place. It was, you know, the, the, the Alky place. Well, you might know the Alky place. But mine was a, was a pissed-up mattress, a flickering telly. And just booze, and that's how I lived my life for the next couple of years, just like that, you know. And my life was a proper mess. My, my life was a proper mess, and you know. And and I spoke to you about my first drink, my first drink in, in Glasgow, the blackout, and and, and my last night, but it was it was always blackouts. But the last time that I, I picked up a drink in England, uh, I ended up I ended up in America, you know. I ended up in America, uh, and, and and I lived in a place called. I was in. A, I went to Lake Michigan, and uh, you know I seen some doing here for Ohio. I, I was in Ohio too, but I went to Lake Michigan, and and I, I went there, and I went to Detroit, Chicago, uh, Canada, Alaska, Cincinnati, Ohio, Louisville, Kentucky. Then Lake during the Gulf of Mexico. And I was, you know, Alabama, Georgia. I was through all these places just drinking and, 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 and causing havoc, really. And I was on my own. And uh, it, lasted, it, lasted a, it lasted a bit of a while. But when I was, when I was in, when I was in uh, Miami, downtown Miami, a couple of people let me watch this video. They took me in and took me in. And when I was in, sorry, when I was in uh, North America, I stayed in a, I, I stayed with Christians. I stayed with some Christians for a few months. Uh, looking, that, that, that's, I stayed in a, it was a camp, camp, camp here winter. And I was looking after children. I managed to, to get in. But I was looking after these children and we were taking them kayaking and canoeing. And uh, when the kids stopped school, we would look after them and then for a couple of weeks and then they'd go home to their parents and then we'd get new kids. And I'd done that for a few months and it was really good. 
But what had happened was when I, when I was there as well, I was living with these Christians, and when we were having breakfast, they started to say grace. Uh, and, and then at lunchtime, they were saying prayers at lunchtime. And in the evening times, they were building campfires and singing songs. And, and, and it, sometimes I didn't have a drink, and it put me in touch with some stuff. It really did uh, for my younger days. It put me in touch, but I still drank. But what happened was I ended up, I ended up in this fellas' place in downtown Miami, and they let me watch this video of Doctor Bob, Doctor Bob and Bill Wilson. It was a video then, and he, and his Winnebago, and uh, two of them, were, and they, they they let me watch this video, and I felt quite sorry watching the video because I found the video quite sad. And these two guys weren't drinking. And what, what I know today, what I know today was the guys were 12 step me, although I didn't know it. You know, I really didn't know it. You know, and, and I say this quite a lot uh, because of what happened to me. Uh, I, I left America. I left America and I came back to the UK. I, I landed in London and, uh, and I had another couple of days on the booze. And then I... Uh, I actually became ashamed of what I was, what I had become. I knew I was a, I knew I was a bum, you know. When I was in Venice Beach, when I was in Venice, because I went to, I went to all these beautiful beaches in America, Florida, eh, North America. I went to beautiful beaches. I woke up, and, I remember there's North America. And I, woke, I woke up in a place called Charlevoix, Charlevoix, and I woke up in this yacht about three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And uh, and I was on my own, beautiful big yacht, but I was on my own, and I couldn't under and I, that that loneliness, you know when you normally wake up half three four o'clock in the morning. I woke up in yachts, and in, in Charlevoix, a place called Charlevoix, North America, in Michigan, and uh, and anyway, it was just it was I was starting to go a lot. I was starting to lose a plot, go a little bit crazy, and uh, anyway, I, I can. These guys 12 stepped me, but I came back to the UK and something happened to me. I, I, I was really ashamed that I hadn't seen my kids. I hadn't seen my kids for all the time I went to America and, and I come and when I came back and I was ashamed. And what happened to me was I don't know why it happened, but I went to my very first meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and it was in there that I was told that I need never ever have to pick up. A drink one day at a time, you know. Anyway, I went there and there was a man sitting doing the chair. He was an old Irish drunk from Brighton. His name was Paddy. Anyway, he was doing this chair and he spoke about the four horsemen. He spoke about terror, bewilderment, frustration and despair. That's what that man spoke about. And you know what? That was how I was feeling. That was how I was feeling, you know. I know what it's like to, you know, it talks about in a uh, chapter of and a vision for you. Uh, alcoholics that read these pages will understand, you know, uh, when when I'm so alone, you know, so alone with the booze. You know, the, the, the worst thing that happened to me was the booze really had stopped working. I was in trouble. I was in trouble. I could all. I could manage to get the money. I could manage to get the place. I knew how to do all that stuff, but the booze had stopped working, and my head started to go. 
you know, I was drinking, I was doing that stuff, and, and nothing was happening. I ended up, I ended up, I was a mess, and that was going on for a little while. Anyway, I came into the fellowship, the Alcoholics Anonymous, and this old fellow was doing the chair, and he was talking about the four horsemen, terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair, and that was who I was. I identified with that man, and that man was a, he was an old homeless drunk in Brighton, in, in Brighton, and uh, and I was a homeless drunk in America. I know what it's like to to, to be to be wandering the streets of New York. You know, I know what it's like to go into Sugar Hill, to go into Harlem, Sugar Hill, uh, Greenwich Village, you know, when I'm walking about with a brown bag, when I'm walking about with the homeless people, where they've got all their belongings in the shopping trolleys and I'm hanging out with them. I know what it's like to do that stuff and know where to go, not get any friends and stuff like that. And that's how it ended up at the end for me. I was like that in New York. I was like that all over America, you know. No matter where in America that I went, I found people like myself somehow. I, I've got I'm quite good at that. I know how to find, the, find them type. Well, I could. But anyway, what happened to me was I came into the fellowship and they asked this old fella to help me. He said, sure, it'd be a privilege and a pleasure. You know, and, and that man was true to his word. That man, he gave me his time. That man took me through the 12 steps and 12 traditions. Uh, he also took me through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, page by page. And that man sponsored me through that work. And that man encouraged me to do some stuff, you know. That man encouraged me to get to get a home group. I've had that home group. I just celebrated 25 years in that home group a couple of weeks ago. Uh, continuous recovery. So I, I, I got a home group. It encouraged me to, to get involved in service. I've always been in service since I've been asked. Uh, you know, I've been involved. I, I like to stay group level, you know. I like to stay involved at group. I've been in prisons for many years. I've done a telephone helpline for many years. I'm into the institutions uh, to go and get the men with the wet brains and, and stuff like that. I've done that type of stuff. But the prisons was a good service for me. I got involved in that stuff for many years, 12-stepping. Uh, I got involved in that and I also got involved in the convention stuff. I know what it's like to be in, uh, to, to be involved with conventions. So I, have, I, I do my little bit, you know. I do my little bit. But, you know, the man really encouraged me to get a prayer life. And, and that's something that I, really, that I really cherish, you know. I haven't stopped praying since I started, you know. I pray every single morning. That's my first job in the morning. I go on my knees and I say some prayers. I read my big book. I read a, I read a little 12-step prayer book. I read my daily reflections. I read another little spiritual book. I read a couple of wee books in the morning. And you know what? I try. I really try to be a kind of half-decent guy. I really mean that. I try to be a kind of half-decent guy. You know, what happened to me when I came into recovery, you know, uh, yeah, I'd lost my wife, I'd lost my kids. All right, I, I was going to my meetings and I, and I was getting a couple of weeks sober, getting a couple of months sober, and, 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 and you know, you, you know, I wanted a relationship. I'm going to get this relationship. I probably that, that would help me out a little bit. You know, a relationship must be good. I mean, my, my relationship to my wife, which is the only relationship I've ever had, it was a drunken relationship because she met me under the influence and she asked me to leave her. 
still under the influence. So I really didn't have a clue how to do the relationship stuff, you know. Although I, I wanted my wife back at the beginning, at the beginning, but she, she wasn't she wasn't having any of me. But I, I was I was hoping to get a relationship, Matt. I never got the relationship, you know. After my well, especially after my sixty days, ninety days, nothing was happening. And then, then uh, you know, and then I met somebody, and I've been in a, a, a relationship with them for quite a long time, uh, which has been really good. But when I came into recovery, as I said, I had three kids. I had a daughter and I had two sons, and uh, and because I I get involved in alcohol, so I still never really had much of a relationship with my kids because they were starting to take their, their life was was kicking off. But my daughter started to drink and, and my older son started to drink and, and they were only young kids and I had to let them go and do that stuff. I really did. Because uh, that was that's what I was suggested today. Let you live and let they live let them live their life. So I let my kids go on me and then my youngest son, he was he was all right, but they they all started to drink and, and I didn't have anything in common with them because I was at meetings. I was at meetings nearly every night. I was at conventions. I was at workshops. I was involved in alcohols, and I never, I never really, you know, my kids chose the, the drink life, and you know, and it's been amazing what's happened because I've came into, I've stayed in Alcoholics Anonymous ever since I came here, and you know, I've got two children on this meeting tonight. You know, I've got two children on this meeting tonight, and I never asked them to come here. You know. Uh, I never asked any of my children to come here. But because of the Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I have lived this life and uh, I didn't have to ask my kids. My kids seen what I was doing, you know. And I've got a boy, I've, I've got two boys, I've got two kids on here tonight. And uh, and that's what Alcoholics Anonymous has done for me, you know. My, my, my daughter came in many years ago and she stayed for a few years and, and she's been out quite a long time. She, she's been out there drinking probably daily. Uh, for quite a lot of years now, and, and I've got to, I've got to just let that one go. That's a hard one for me. She's moldest. She's moldest kid. She's, she's my daughter's it's moldest. But you know, I've got two out of three which ain't bad really into. Do you know what I mean? But as I say, I've got, I, I, I've got my, my kids are in the company, and that was without me. That was without me saying anything about anything. You know, I was just. Uh, I was just trying to live my life in alcoholics in the morning. And, you know, if there's anybody new here, any man or woman, listen, give this a try. This might be the luckiest day of your life because you might just get a life, you know. I never knew how good life could be in Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been all over the world with Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. I've been in meetings all over the world because of the Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's what, that's what the fellowship has done for me. I can go anywhere in this world. I'll tell you a little story uh, about Alcoholics Anonymous and me. What's happened to me? Uh, a few years ago, I tried to sort of a semi, semi-retire and, and, and I went on some holidays and I went over to Australia and, and I've done a wee bit. Of, I travelled some of the world and, and I took one of my youngest kids with me and uh, we went to Indonesia, we went to Bali, and we stayed there, we stayed in Australia for a while, went to Indonesia, went to Bali, and, and then we stayed in a spiritual village, and uh, I wanted to go to this, because there was temples and that there, and I wanted to go for the for the prayer and the meditation, where you get all, you wear all the, all, all their clobber, 
to get into the to get into the tempos and for the praying the meditation. I've done that, which was all fantastic, and I've done that a few times. But uh, I wanted to go to this meeting, you know, and, and I was encouraged to go to plenty, go, go to meetings, go to meetings, go to plenty of meetings, 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 and that's all I've ever really done. And uh, and, and that was, as I say, I went to lots of meetings, and uh, but I was going, I was in this country, and there was a meeting, there was a meeting in uh, Lombok. So that's a place or just the, the other side uh, in Bali. I went to this. The, so I've, I've got about contact with these fellas in Lombok, two Americans, by the way. I don't know if they're on. The, I don't know if they're on the meeting tonight, but they were American anyway. But anyway, I managed to uh, to hire the horse and cart, hire the speedboat, and I managed to hire a couple of tour guides to get me to get me into this country through the jungle. I was in the jungle and I went to a meeting in the jungle. It was up a tree house, and uh, yeah, you think that, oh, but you know, you're sitting there. But, and you've got monkeys all jumping about you. You're sitting with big coconuts and you're drinking these coconuts. And, that, and this is a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. This is in the jungle. Well, I've done that. But, but the, 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 the meeting I went to meet the American boys, well, I met the, these two guys and, uh, and I've always took my literature with me. And I took it with me that time as well. And these, uh, these, these Americans. So I went and met these Americans and I said, so we're having a meeting now. He said, "Yeah, this is a, this is a meeting." They were talking about the swell of the water. The, the, they were talking about the swell. They were soft goods, and that's what they spoke about. I said, "So what about the meeting?" They said, "No, we're having a meeting." I said, well, "What about the literature?" But they never did the literature. But I had my big book, and they came and met me the following day, and we had a meeting. We had a meeting with the big book of alcoholics and all that type of stuff. You know, for me, is fantastic. But you know, my sponsor, that old man, that helped me. That old man died sober. He died sober, and they told me he wanted to die sober. But before he died, eh, I went to see him in the hospice. He was dying of cancer. And I went to see him in the hospice. And Paddy's last words to me were, go and carry the message to them, John. Paddy carried the message to me, the message that had depth and weight. You know, we have got a program here. You do this, this, suggested, this suggested stuff. You know, you get away with nothing. He told me, you get away with nothing in Alcoholics Anonymous. The more that you put in, the more that you get out. You know, even the thoughts. If I've got them, if I've got that, that stinking thinking of the bad thoughts, you know, I, I, I pay for that. I don't sleep properly at night when I've got that stuff going on. So I try to stay away from that stuff. I, 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 try, to, I try to keep on the ball. Do you know what I mean? The thing about me, and I'll share that with you tonight, uh, uh, I try this stuff, and, and there's something that I get right every single day. I don't drink, you know. I, I, I've got defects, I've got shortcomings, I've got all that stuff still. But sometimes it, it's not it's, it's not as active as other times. But for me, you know, for me, it's the best thing that I have really done is come into the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and stay here. You know, it's a fantastic, for me, it's a fantastic way of life. I love, I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love the, the message it was carried to me. Uh, and, I, and I try to carry this this message still today because of because how it is for me. It's the only way really that I can hang on to what I've got is to go and share. You know, I'll just share this before the finish because I've done not no too bad tonight for my 50 minutes, I think. No, so I'm quite happy with that. I haven't had the yellow cards yet. I normally get the yellow cards, and it gives me a wee bit of a hump. 
with a wee bit of resentment. But uh, you know, I forget what I was going to say there. But uh, it's it, it's great. It's great to be an alcoholic. It's a fantastic way of life, and it's and, and it's available for the all. But uh, it's great, you know. There was something I was going to say there, but it slipped my mind. But anyway, I really want to thank you, all of you people could come here tonight, uh, to, listening to me and really help me to stay sober. And, and for you, you know, whatever you have, it's a good night, a good morning, a good afternoon. You know, we're in the UK, it's, it's 10 o'clock at night here, do you know what I mean? And uh, you know, what I was going to say there, so, so Janesta sent me a message this morning about half past one, two o'clock, I got to this morning. And uh, I was up this morning at four o'clock to go to work. I went to work at four o'clock this morning and I got home tonight at half past six. I had I had, I had a son in the steam at work uh, and I come home, I had my dinner and I rested for an hour and I came in. I came in the night and I said, oh, I'm doing this, mate. No matter what I'm doing, I, I feel tired, I feel this. But I went to my knees, I said some prayers, I washed my face and here, and here you've got me. But listen, I really want to thank you all for listening to me and helping me stay sober tonight. Thank yous.